HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to HRN Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson, the Communications Director here at Heritage Radio Network, and I'd like to start by wishing everybody a happy February. We finally made it. January lasted like 40 years, but we're finally here. Joining me today, as always... Hi, David. Joining me today, as always, is our Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler. Hi, Katie. Hi, Kat. We lived. We Good did job. It. We've done it. Um, we also have in studio with us, of course, our stalwart engineer, David. Hey. Hey, David. Thanks for making oh, us sound so great. Thank you. And thanks to the audience. Always, always so kind to me. Our audience is the warmest. We love them. Uh, we also have in studio Hannah Forden, our membership coordinator. Hey, Hannah. Happy Thursday. We've got Liza Hamm, special projects coordinator. Hi, Beth. And Sam Lee, our most wonderful, fabulous Thursday intern. Hi, Sam. Hi. That was a really nice introduction. <laughs> well, Sam, like, pulled a lot of weight this week, as yeah. you'll all see soon. I all can't right. wait. <laughs> um, our guest today, we're so excited to have her. Autumn Stanford is the owner of the much-adored Brooklyn Colachi Company. Um, it's a bakery and coffee shop in bed Welcome, Autumn. Thank you. We're going to talk to her about her inspiration for starting a business here in Brooklyn and the art of kolache. If you don't know what a kolache is, you're going to learn soon. And as always, we're going to end our show with trivia. But first, as always, we're going to start our show with headlines. This Monday on Cutting the Curd, Diane Stemple sat down with writer Jonathan Kaufman at the 2018 Fancy Food Show to talk about Kaufman's new book, Hippie Food, How Back to the Landers, Long Hairs, and Revolutionaries Changed the Way We Eat. And it's not just carob, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) What Doesn't Kill You is continuing a series on dairy. Katie Kiefer spoke to Alex LaPrise, the managing director of the Rhode Island Dairy Co-op, Rhodey Fresh. She tells a story of how their small group of dairy farmers banded together and looked to the Our Family Farms business model to save their farms. 
We're getting a great response to that series already. I had a random phone call into the studio about it the other day. Yeah. Was it an angry phone call? No, no, no. It was somebody who wanted to talk to her. People awesome. are loving it. Somebody it's in the dairy industry. A lot of buzz on social media. That's fabulous. Yeah. I think Katie does a really good job of covering some really sticky policy issues also without bashing anyone, uh, which I think is really cool and important. Awesome. Well, on Tuesday, recommended reading with uh, Food Book Fair co-hosts Amanda Dell and Kimberly Chow. They chatted with Gerardo Gonzalez and Carla Hofen of the Lidolito Restaurant in Chinatown. And they got the lowdown on making a holding a holding place for other people of color in the industry and what Gerardo and Carla are reading, watching, and listening to. And on this week's The Line host, Eli Sussman, sat down with his very own brother, Max Sussman, who has risen in the industry from being a chef to cuisine at uh, restaurants in Michigan and New York to deciding to start his own restaurant, Samisa, in Williamsburg, which, if you haven't been, is fantastic. Um, and being nominated for a James Beard Rising Star Chef Award and being named a 30 Under 30 in both Zagat and Forbes magazine. So congratulations, Max, and of course, as always, Eli. It was also the 50th episode of The Woo-hoo. Line. Go, Eli. Yay. The golden anniversary. And then finally, <laughs> on the food scene this week, author Lindsay Maitland-Hutt talked about eating healthy-ish, as she explains in her new book, Healthy-ish, a cookbook with seriously satisfying, truly simple, good-for-you-but-not-too-good-for-you recipes <laughs> for real life. I like that too. Yeah, it's good. That's just a taste of this week's content. You can listen to all 35 of our weekly shows at heritageradionetwork.org. I see what you did there. What did I do? Just a taste. Ah. I don't even notice food puns anymore. (laughs) It's just part of my life now. (laughs) I was like, what did I do? Um, so that's all, those are our headlines. Um, we're going to move on to events now. Um, I want to remind everyone, it's now February, so it's that time of year when we're all gearing up for Valentine's Day. But first... You mean Galentine's Galentine's Day? Day. Exactly, that is what I mean. We're having a Galentine's Day event from 5 to 7 p.m. at 100 Bogart, where our office is located on Tuesday, February 13th. Um, one of our team members, Margaret Kelly, is a really talented florist and she's going to teach us how to make flower crowns and boutonnieres and while we're doing that and feeling really creative and talented we're going to eat chocolates from fine and raw which is right down the street and drinking everyone's favorite trendy wine cooler ramona which is made by jordan salcedo so join us it's going to be super fun super delicious and guys and girls are welcome we don't discriminate and also just like sneak peek special for hr and happy hour listeners but there's going to be some kind of after party at which flower crowns will be worn to a local bar (laughs) fyi i will lead the charge yes so join me please I think we should go to El Cortez for like tiki drinks. It seems like it's very fitting. Yes. I'll get a pina with a floater for sure. I'm getting a zombie because I'm not weak. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But will you have two zombies? I'll have four zombies. I'm just kidding. I'm not having four zombies. You're going to be a zombie if you do that. (laughs) That's probably Uh, accurate. Maybe we should do a bar crawl and do um, El Cortez and then do um, the other place... That has three words in the title. The other place. Down where the beer and we brought Daisy. Oh, Pine Box Rock Pine Box Rock Shop. Actually, okay, we four should, words. Oh, we should just there. go straight there because I can bring Daisy. Okay, yeah. So you Is definitely want to come with us. Daisy's going to get a crown. Awesome. My because, dog Daisy's going to get a crown. Yeah. So we're going to have dogs in bars wearing crowns in February with girls 
having eaten chocolate and had a wonderful time. This is a really important reason to leave work early. Be there. Be square. Seriously. We really want you to come. Can you tell? <laughs> go it's going to be so fun. <laughs> go to our Facebook page to buy tickets or Eventbrite. Yes, please. Uh, another super cool event we have coming up with another great friend of HRN is going to be March 22nd. We're hosting So You Think You Know Mezcal, which is an educational tasting also happening at 100 Bogart, and that's going to be starting at 6.30 and go until 8. So mark your calendar. This is a really rare experience. Um, it's being hosted by Sacred. Uh, the group stands for Saving Agave for Agriculture, Recreation, Education, and Development. Um, the presenter is Lou Bank, who is absolutely one of a kind. He's the executive director of Sacred, and he is not in New York as much as we would like him to be. So um, take advantage of this opportunity. It's going to be Lou really Bank. cool. Lou Bank. Tickets available now. Find it on our Facebook page. The one and only. All right. So, Autumn, welcome again. Thank you. We're so excited to have you. Um, so, first of all, you and your partner, Dennis Gonzalez, started your very popular bakery, Brooklyn Kolachi Company, in 2012. Tell us a little bit about what inspired this business and how you got it started. Sure. So, it's Dennis Mendoza. But apologies. No problem. Um, so I actually worked at Seamless for a very long time from sort of the beginning of when they launched it for consumer up until the end of 2011. So from 2004 to 2011. And um, I knew my job was moving to Salt Lake City and I was thinking of the jobs that I had loved the most. And they kept coming back to jobs where I worked in bakeries and jobs where I served coffee so um, I had a lot of time, obviously, to plan my next move, and I was, wanted to do something that didn't already exist um, in my neighborhood. So I started researching if there was any clotches. I hadn't even thought about them, but they were something that I was raised eating all the time and realized that there wasn't a clotchy bakery. Um, and my brother-in-law, who had spent time in Houston, was like, you got to do it. And so I was a lot of support from my family and friends, they just continued to encourage me, and I started developing recipes and talking to different people who make kolaches, and um, then found a location in bed So, kolache is something not familiar to many people outside of Texas. What is it? Um, it's a slightly sweet yeast dough that's stuffed with either sweet or savory fillings. Okay. And what's the tradition behind it? Well, it's originally a Czech pastry, um, but in Central Texas, there's huge Czech communities um, that make the dough and carry on the tradition. Um, and so when you travel from, say, Dallas to Austin, you would stop at one of these Czech bakeries and buy a bunch of kolache to put in your refrigerator or freezer and then have them on hand. And what are your, some of your like earliest memories of, of eating these treats? Um... Well, my grandparents lived in Houston, and we lived in Austin, and so we did that trip often, and it was sort of uh, just a bathroom break and something we always did. We just stopped. We got kolaches midway, and so that's most of my memory of eating kolache has been uh, road food. Awesome. And how have people responded to having a kolache bakery in bed which is pretty different from having it on a road trip? 
Yeah, sure. So um, we get a lot of transplant, Texas transplants on the weekends. Everyone puts on their college gear, whether they went to UT or A&M. <laughs> Everyone talks about where they got kolache growing up. Um, and then on the weekdays, it, it was slow. It was hard to introduce people to something that they hadn't tried, especially, um, you know, in a really old established neighborhood like Bed-Stuy, where people kind of are fixed on these are what they would get. So there was a lot of education and getting people who came in looking for a muffin to be open to trying or even paying for something they weren't sure if they were going to like. So in the beginning, there was a lot of free clutches. It was like, oh, you have to try this. Don't walk out. Let me give you one. Um, now I feel like we're really part of the neighborhood. And um, we have so many different kinds of customers that longstanding bedside residents, new people who've moved into the neighborhood have all sort of embraced us. So, And tell us about the late night cookie delivery service that you have going. Sure. So we launched um, a late night cookie business out of Brooklyn Kolache called Bake Sale. Um, it's delivery only. And um, we're on Postmates and Grubhub. And we do um, all scratch made cookies baked to order. Um, we actually introduced a couple savory items. It's kind of like a munchie bakery. And we donate 10% of all of our proceeds to Bedside Campaign Against Hunger. Amazing. Awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, what, what, is there anything coming up next for your business? Anything you're doing differently this year? Um, well, there's a lot of stuff in the works about potentially new locations opening, um, but nothing official yet. Um, and we also launched Swell Dive, which is a Filipino taco, Tex-Mex taco shack kind of a place. (laughs) So, um, we've been busy with that, growing that. We're hopefully going to um, expand that over the summer into some markets, um, food halls. So tell us a little bit about the, the flavors of kolache that you brought. So the ones that I brought for you guys today, I brought cherry sweet cheese, which is my favorite. It's the one that I had growing up all the time. Um, it's like a sweetened cream cheese and then cherries. Um, I brought you a sausage and cheese, which is not traditional. That's like a very Texas Czech thing. It doesn't really exist outside of Texas. Um, and See, David is pressed <laughs> to the glass, <laughs> trying desperately to get to the. I don't remember what the other one about. is. David, grab a knife and bring it in here so we can split these up. <laughs> I think I brought. It's not the you first time I've come running into the studio with a knife, but yeah, I'll be right there. <laughs> Sorry, Autumn, go on. I don't remember. I can't see what the other one is, and I just, I did it this morning, and I don't remember. Oh, okay, so that one's blueberry. And, yeah, so I brought you a blueberry sweet cheese combo, and then I brought you guys some of the... Yeah. So is do you prefer like beautiful sweet. typically or yeah I do because I grew up mostly just eat, I mean I called the savory ones pigs in a blanket uh-huh. um, sort of a, a regional thing to consider the savory kolache. Have you, have you come across anyone else who's making kolache in New York City? Is there some sort of like kolache network? <laughs> <laughs> there really isn't. There's some um, another place that does some pop-ups here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, we're the only brick-and-mortar bakery and have been since 2012. Awesome. So um, I know that there was a place that tried to open in 2009 or did open called Kalachi Mama, but they were like in Midtown, and I think their rent was probably insane, and they didn't make it. So, Autumn, I had my first Kalachi in Texas this year at Christmas. 
uh, my brother-in-law brought them over, and he brought all, only the sausage ones. Mm-hmm. I think maybe there were a few sweet, but he said the sausage ones specifically were kolaches because I was like, what's a kolache? Actually, I was asking because my two-year-old niece, we were like, what do you want to eat? She was like, kolache, and I was like, what is she saying? Mm-hmm. And then she proceeded to eat like eight of them. Um, <laughs> for a very small person, it was very impressive. But I wanted to know if there are um, kind of seasons associated with kolaches, or are they, you know, traditional for Christmas, or was that a coincidence that I ate them? In yeah, Madison? so they're like donuts in Texas. There's there's fancy ones, there's mm-hmm. gas station ones, they're all over. Um, but there's regional differences. So in Houston, most people call the sausage ones kolache. They don't even eat the sweet ones, and mm-hmm. a lot of bakeries don't even make them. They just make donuts, and they make sausage kolache. So that's why somebody would think that sausage ones are traditional, okay. but they're not. Okay. <laughs> um, and so the sweet ones are, are traditional. We do different seasonal flavors. We do, like, a candied pecan for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um And, like, right now, it's Meyer lemon season, so we're doing a lemon curd. Um, When we run out of fresh fruits in the dead of winter, we'll sometimes switch to doing, like, a dried apricot. So So when did you start – well, first of all, is kolache something that you pretty much only get from retail, bakeries, gas stations, or is it something that a lot of people make at home? I don't really know anybody who makes kolache at home unless I've seen, you know, them on Instagram. I think most of the time, <laughs> Czech families do. They have their grandmas make them, and um, they're also like a wedding tradition. So, like, in Czech Republic, the grandmas will make tons of poppy seed kolache, freeze them, and then mm. serve them at the weddings. It's cool that they can be made ahead. Mm-hmm. That's nice. They can be frozen. I mean, for us, one of the things that we struggle with is that they have a very short shelf life. We don't use anything artificial. Everything is like real cracked eggs, real milk. So, um, you know, it's also a kind of a tedious dough. It's like a slow rise and it can be finicky. So awesome. And when did you start? I know when you moved here, you had this idea to start this business, but were, were you already kind of experimenting with making your own or did you start kind of recipe developing developing recipes when you knew that this is something that you wanted to pursue yeah it was only once I, I had never made them <laughs> and I didn't have a grandma who made them or anything it was just sort of something that um, I said well let's see if I can make them and so I started working on recipes and I think it took about a full year before I felt like I had the dough where I wanted it to be and then from there, it was really easy to just host parties and play with fillings. And Who was your recipe tester? Or just, testers? Yeah. Like my kids ate, well, my daughter ate a ton of kolache. She's probably eaten more kolache than like any kid in New York for sure. <laughs> and um, yeah. Yeah. My friends and family came over. And I, up until I found this space, I kept saying, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to work on this. And everyone was like, no, you're doing it. You're not, you know, working towards it. You're actually going to do it. And then when I signed the lease, it became very real. So what have been the highlights and some of the challenges of having a small business in Bed-Stuy? I think the the biggest challenge was getting people to try something new um, and invest their money into something that they weren't positive that they were going to like. Um... And I think the most rewarding part about having a business in Bedside is that there's, while Bedside is huge, the section that we're in, there's such a such a sense of community. Um, 
just getting to see the same faces every day, seeing people come in pregnant and then they have their child and then they get, you know, just mm-hmm. getting to see everyone's life on a daily basis has been really rewarding. That's awesome. Um, well, we're going to take a quick break in just a moment. And when we come back, we're going to ha- hear a piece from Sam Lee that she's reported on um, about king cakes, which is going to lead us to the next part of the show, which is going to be talking to Autumn about a very special kolache that she has on the menu right now. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Thank you, Roberta's. I want to give a real quick PSA. Surf on over, dude. I want to give a quick PSA. I was here a little early and watching Roberta's do their lineup, and they just put a new peanut butter chocolate pie on the menu. They looked bomb. I just know that I have a weakness for that dessert. So if anyone else does, you may want to come on down. Surf on over. Surf on over, dude. (laughs) Um, Autumn, I just have to say how delicious these are. Thank you so much. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Yes, thank Um, you so much for bringing them. Can you tell us about the sausage? Sure. So our sausage is actually from Myers Elgin Sausage, which is a famous smokehouse in Elgin, Texas, that we have it shipped in specifically for the kolache. It's really, really delicious. Sorry, I have my mouth full. Uh, okay, but we're now going to talk about king cake. Yes, so um, we have a really special piece that Sam Lee put together because the, the inspiration for the, putting the show together this week was I'm like, it's February. What can we talk about? Let's talk about king cake because Mardi Gras is around the corner. So, Sam, why don't you set up the piece and then we'll get jump back into it after. Yeah, well, because uh, Kat was so interested, she basically really wanted me to find somebody that would send a king cake to Brooklyn and where we could talk to somebody that was that was doing that, that was doing the real thing. So um, I reached out to uh, Chef John Kaluta of Kaluta King Cakes, uh, which is in New Orleans. He's been making king cakes for over 30 years, and I talked to him on the phone yesterday. Uh, and let's listen and hear what I found out. Chef John Kaluta has been making king cakes in New Orleans since 1990. A graduate of the Culinary Institute of America and former pastry chef for the Royal Orleans Hotel, Chef Kaluta takes pride in making each of his cakes from scratch, which is pretty crazy because they're currently making around 1,500 cakes a day in their Harahan, Louisiana bakery. It's a very very moist, light cake. It's got a nice cinnamon. It's all all hand-braided, which is um, a lot of ways... People take shortcuts today and don't braid the cakes anymore, and it makes a big difference in the, in the quality of the cake. 
A traditional New Orleans king cake is made with a sweet brioche or a Danish pastry and braided and shaped into a ring with a cream cheese filling. But Kaluta's also offers a variety of cake flavors that break the traditional mold. We also do different pop-up flavors, which we're known for, pop-up flavors of the, of the day or um, of the week. Like today, we're doing um, apple swan and, and coconut dream. We did wedding cake. Our special of the week is banana foster. Last week is maple bacon. Next week is Oreo cream. So we have different fun flavors and stuff like that as well. According to Chef Kaluta, right now, if you walked into pretty much any school or office in New Orleans, there's likely to be at least one king cake in the break room. Somebody is designated to bring a king cake, usually at the beginning of the season. And whoever gets the baby um, is designated to bring the cake the next, to the next party or the next office meeting. The chef's referring to the tradition of hiding a tiny plastic or porcelain baby in every king cake. At Kaluta's, each baby is placed in the cake by hand after the cake cools and before it's iced and packaged. You flip the cakes over, you just stick the babies in the bottom, put the boards on, and flip them back over. And, and it's just a quick process. Whoever finds the baby in their slice must bring in the next cake. But you'd better be careful where you get that cake because your friends and coworkers in New Orleans are going to have an opinion about it. There's a lot of comparison in New Orleans. We talk about food a lot. And king cake is one of those foods that people really are passionate about. Um, they go crazy for their, their type of their type of king cake or their favorite bakery or their favorite flavor. And um, they'll debate and argue about who's the best. And in John's opinion, if you live outside of Louisiana, you should be buying from an authentic New Orleans bakery and getting it shipped. Or at least buying from a true New Orleans transplant. Because as he's discovered in his travels... And you go to a restaurant and they have gumbo on the, on the menu. It's not really gumbo. <laughs> uh, it's, they, might, they might call it gumbo. They might call it etouffee. But I don't know. that There's um, something about getting it from the source that's a little bit more authentic. I'm not saying there's no good king cakes in, outside the city. I'm sure there are. But my experience with things like gumbo and etouffee, when you go outside the city, they're usually not anything close. And no matter where you get it from, be careful to find out if they're actually making the dough from scratch. A lot of places, even some places in the city, mostly like supermarkets and things like that, will buy what's called an institutional cinnamon roller log and just kind of cut and shape that into a king cake. And it has that basically institutional cinnamon roll type flavor. The traditional Mardi Gras and king cake season runs from King's Day, which is January 6th, until Fat Tuesday, which changes every year depending on when Easter falls. But if you want to order a king cake this year from Kaluta's and you want to get in time for Fat Tuesday, which is February 13th this year, you need to act quickly. Kaluta's will be taking orders for Fat Tuesday only through February 9th. Chef Kaluta ships his cakes overnight. We ship next day air just mainly for the icing doesn't melt. We want to ship it next day air so it gets there in the best possible looking condition. But the flavor and the freshness stays good for three to five days easily. To place an order for a Kaluta king cake, go to kingcakeshop.com. You can also find a list of their distributors on the site. And Chef Kluda has one more request. You know, if anybody's had our cakes, it's the only listeners that like our cakes, they could vote for us at kingcakesnob.com. That would help us out a lot. And if you're headed to Jazz Fest, you can also find Chef Kaluta there making crawfish strudel and white chocolate bread pudding. Awesome. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, job, Sam. My pleasure. <laughs> I love that he got a plug in at the end. Like, yeah. please go vote for me. <laughs> and, and that, like, the most important thing is kingcakesnob.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Apparently I have to it's check it out. a very big deal, and yeah. they've been at the top of the list, but there's some people gaining on them, Uh-oh. and he, he wasn't too happy about that. Uh-oh. All right, well, we better get on there. So that's the, the whole story behind King Cakes. Autumn, can you tell us your very unique spin on a King Cake that people can get right here in Brooklyn? Don't have to worry about getting it shipped anywhere. Sure. So we make um, king cake rolls. So we take our dough, our kolache dough, which is an, an, an enriched yeast dough, um, and we use that to make um, the rolls, which have a sweetened cream cheese filling and then some brown sugar and a little bit of cinnamon. Um, and then we top them with the cream cheese frosting and then we do the sprinkles. Awesome. Wow. And being from Texas and being like Louisiana adjacent, um, was king cake as big of a thing where, like, you're from? Not really. I mean, I did have friends who um, had king cake, and so I, I had it. It wasn't, like, a huge family tradition for me. But um, it's funny. I don't really do, like, Instagram gimmicks at all. <laughs> but this was something that I felt like, wow, this isn't a gimmick. This is actually something beautiful that people from Texas enjoy and so it made sense for me to do it because it's with dough we already use so well and also just getting that like single serving um so that you don't have to have a whole cake (laughs) yeah we made them we made them the first time a couple years ago and they were such a huge hit that now people are really um prepared they're looking for them they're calling they're making sure they can place big orders we had a couple from louisiana from new orleans last week who ordered a dozen for their daughter's birthday party. Awesome. So instead wow. of cupcakes. And you can get them just fresh right from the shop instead yep. of having to worry about placing an order way ahead of time. Yeah, we but have yeah, them stocked. I understand if you're a purist, you know, that's yeah. totally fine. But it's also I won't be super mad if anyone brings a king cake or king cake rolls to Galentine's, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's so nice to be able to buy something local. And as um, mentioned in the piece, you're making the dough from scratch and it's unique because you're using the kolache dough yeah and i actually think that if you look at like a typical king cake roll or a sweetened brioche it's they're pretty similar yeah um so you said that today this year you made them started making them a couple days late um so tell me about that and how how someone who worked for you was like we gotta start making these yeah so one of my bakers sarah um is um from Central America, and she was like, it's three King's Day, we missed it, you know, like, we're supposed to have them today, and I didn't realize it crept up on me so quickly, um, so I immediately went online and ordered our sprinkles so that we could start, <laughs> we were, we didn't have, we weren't quite ready. How, how many sprinkles, or how, how much <laughs> sprinkles do you have to buy to do this every year? Um, we get to get a couple pounds of each color, and that usually lasts us, so... That sounds like kind of a lot, a couple pounds yeah. of sprinkles. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of sprinkles goes a long They're way. They're tiny yeah. little sprinkles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. just little candied sugar. Have you ever been to Mardi Gras? I haven't. Do you want to go to Mardi of Gras? Of course. Yeah, it's like a bucket list item. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you have anyone who comes in and, um, like, you know, has any, like, big thoughts about comparing this to a New Orleans king cake? I mean, we get a lot of really good feedback. I haven't had anybody give us... Uh, we've had several people say that they're very authentic, which is 
funny because I've actually never like gone to <laughs> Louisiana and purchased a king cake, but I have had them like they're all in the grocery stores in Texas right now. You'd walk into like an H E B and there's gonna be a big king cake display. So yeah. I've had those. <laughs> all right. Well, I think it's that time of the show to move into our trivia round. Sam, do you want to do the honors or do you want me to read? Um, I've got my mouth full. We all, we all just took a big bite. Like, hold, please. I can start. I can um, start. I didn't write them this week, so. Okay. So, in honor of the pre-Lent season king cake time of year, our trivia today revolves entirely around Mardi Gras and the king cake pastry. So, Autumn, please know that everyone here is here to assist you, so don't feel any pressure. I haven't seen the questions. Okay. But I've also never been to New Orleans, so I probably won't be that much help. It'll be a team effort. We'll make okay. it Absolutely. We'll make it. David's in on it, too. He's back there. Um, yep. All right. So question number one. What? Oh, this is going to be a, a shoe-in. <laughs> what is the first day king cake is traditionally eaten in New Orleans? Um, Three Kings Day, which I think is also known as Epiphany. Oh, you nailed it. You got, like, <laughs> both words. Yeah, both <laughs> terms. All right. Question number two. According to historians, Rex, a Mardi Gras crew that has been celebrating since 1872, established the traditional Mardi Gras colors of green, gold, and purple. Do you know what these colors represent? Oh, I came prepared. Actually, so the um, green is supposed to be faith. Yes. And um, so I've seen two things for purple. I've seen royalty and I've seen power. And I don't know. I thought purple was royalty. Yeah. I think I think they're both true. This on my question it says justice. Oh, I have justice, but I didn't think that that was the purple. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, the, I think I have mine backwards. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> so oh, the boy. ones I have faith, faith, power, and justice. I've also seen royalty. Yeah, faith, power, justice. We had like the colors flip flopped, but I think that yeah, sure. <laughs> in, in some combination of those. Yeah. Great. Um, okay. Question number three. I love that you had like notes prepared about like <laughs> what's the deal with Mardi Gras and king cake and Isn't you're that gonna no, no she didn't know before. Was for trivia yeah, she, she didn't had know the no questions idea were be. what trivia was gonna be uh, I didn't even yeah. know there was gonna be a trivia I just yeah. wanted to be prepared to talk about <laughs> king cake yeah, 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 we'll let it slide um, it's like when your your teachers like we're having a test tomorrow and you can have as many notes as you can fit on an index Open card note. I love yeah. those I could write so small I'm gonna bring my magnifying glass too okay question number three. Germans celebrate a holiday similar to Mardi Gras called Fasching, in which women cut an article of clothing off of men to put them in their place. <laughs> which, I love this. Which article of clothing do they cut? I'm going to guess shirt. Close. To put them in their place. Tie? Tie is right. Oh. <laughs> that, yeah, this tradition began in 1824 in... Buell, Germany, when laundry women had had enough with serving their husbands and stormed the city hall on protest. As a symbol of revoking power for men, women started cutting off men's neckties and collecting them as symbols of power. Nice. Wow. Ties up. There's also a similar holiday to Mardi Gras in another place in Germany, Mainz, where my family's from, called Fasnacht, which is where it's around the same time of year, and it's on the Rhine River, which is where France had occupied them like a bunch of times throughout history and it's a way for them to have this carnival and make fun of the French and they still do it today so it's very similar they all like a lot of gesture motifs and stuff like that I think everyone needs a time 
a reason this time of year to have a party is my theory. Um, okay, question number four. Though Mardi Gras is largely associated with Christianity and the religious traditions of Lent and the Epiphany, what other religion do historians say Mardi Gras and Carnival actually started with originally? Um, I don't know. I mean... Is something pagan? Yeah, it's yeah, totally pagan. Everything's pagan. Is it pagan. It's paganism. It's yeah. just straight up yeah. paganism. Historians say carnival dates back thousands of years to the pagan celebration of spring and fertility. Again, fits with my theory. People need a time of a reason yeah. for this time of year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Gotta get through. Yeah. All right. Question number five. Mardi Gras is an official holiday in the state of Louisiana. We actually just talked about this. What other two states, however, are well known for their celebration of the holiday? Alabama. Yep. Mobile, Alabama. And I don't know. It's clo- It's like between the two. Between New Orleans and Mobile. Isn't Savannah a big place? No, that's St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. <laughs> it's another I'm not uh, Gulf Coast city. Someplace Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah, someplace oh. in Mississippi. Where all the casinos are in Mississippi. Does anybody oh, know? No. Oh, no. Biloxi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got it. Uh, we were just talking about this before the show. Mobile, Alabama claim, or they are. I mean, it's a fact. They were the first people to have, the first city to have um, Mardi Gras by like 15 years. And they like love to talk about that. It's not that big of a deal anymore, but they've literally, <laughs> their tourism board has funded a bill, like billboards outside of New Orleans being like, you're 200 miles outside of the original home of Mardi Gras. And everyone's like, nice <laughs> and try. And everyone's like, so oh, catty. I guess we better leave. <laughs> yeah. So what? Wait, so Cat isn't fun mm. enough. So Cat, did you ever go do to that? I've never been to, I have some friends that go every year that like, you know, because they're from Alabama and they they like to be Alabamians and do the Alabama Mardi Gras. But if I'm going to go to Mardi Gras, I'm going to New Orleans. <laughs> Good choice. For sure. I didn't know about Biloxi, actually. Um, okay, number six. Mardi Gras, with its colorful traditions, has famously been the backdrop for dozens of films throughout the decades. What is the name of the 1999 crime thriller starring Ashley Judd and Tommy Lee Jones, whose pinnacle scenes take place during Mardi Gras? Was it also a book? I'm gonna name it. I the wrong think one. so. <laughs> it's also the first ever rated R movie that I ever saw. This is. Wait, Mine was Robocop start- too. What's it? Who are, is it Pelican Brief? Ashley Judd and Tommy Lee Jones. A time to Kill? I'll give you a hint. Which one? <laughs> it's also a legal term that the Fifth Amendment seeks to protect against. Oh, I know it. Oh, oh, double and... Yeah, uh, yeah double, double indemnity. indemnity. But it's no, not called that. Older. Double Jeopardy. No, double Jeopardy. <laughs> double Jeopardy was a thriller about a woman who is framed for the murder of her husband, who she suspects is still alive. She is told by a fellow prisoner that she should wait until she is on parole to do anything about it because she can't be tried twice for the same crime, according to the Double Jeopardy Clause of the Fifth Amendment. Famous quote. It's called Double Jeopardy. I learned a few things in prison, Nick. I could shoot you in the middle of Mardi Gras and they can't touch me. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Nice hard-boiled dialogue. It's a great movie. (laughs) Everyone should see it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last question. In Denmark, the carnival-like celebration is known as Festelaven and is in many ways primarily a festival of children. What American holiday is this festival of children most often compared to? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I don't know. 
That just sounds silly. <laughs> I I have no idea. I'm sorry. <laughs> Halloween. Oh, right. oh. I was like, Halloween is oh. the real children's so, holiday, right? Fe- Festalaven is known as Nordic Halloween because it starts off with children flogging their parents with sticks <laughs> <laughs> to wake them up. See, I knew this trick. was going to be ridiculous. <laughs> you Not had an idea. They, how that didn't make it over to the they, <laughs> they flog their parents with sticks to wake them up on the Saturday, the Sunday or Monday morning before Ash Wednesday. And we'll dress up in costume and go around the neighborhood gathering candy and sweets for Fat Tuesday celebrations. Mm. We learned so much today. (laughs) I don't know if I'm happy about all the things we learned, (laughs) but we learned them. All right. Autumn, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for bringing in the kolaches and the king cake buns. So delicious. It's been an amazing way to kick off February. There's hope yet, guys. Um... And thank you, Sam, thank you again for making that incredible piece. That was awesome. And you can go listen to that again. It's um, published as a blog post on our website. Um, thank you to the whole HR and crew, Katie Mosman-Wadler, our Thanks, exec Kat. director, membership coordinator, Hannah Forden, special projects coordinator, Liza Ham, Sam Lee once again, and as always, our engineer, David Tadashore. He always gets the loudest applause. He does. I don't know why. How does that happen? All right, we'll see you next week when we're going to be talking Japanese food and beverage with bartender Frank Cisneros and chef Josh Plunkett. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. HRN Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com forward slash heritage.